I was thinking about thinking this week uh, about people who uh, have needs that are ever on their mind, right? That their their needs are always on their mind. And uh, one of the examples that I thought of this week is uh, somebody who needs a kidney transplant, right? That they're, they're having kidney failure, and so they're having to go in uh, for dialysis regularly, maybe weekly, maybe daily, uh, needing to go in and uh, take a couple of hours each day to deal with something that uh, many of us don't have to think about, right? You don't have to think about uh, having your blood cleaned. And they have to, to think about that. It's ever on their mind. They're waiting for a kidney transplant so that they don't have to do this anymore. And uh, they're just every day thinking about that need, right? Because it impacts everything they do. Well, th- this morning, we're looking at this text from Matthew chapter 20, where we have these two men who have the same kind of thing, right? I read from this just a moment ago, that we have these two blind men And their need is always in front of them, right? They are always aware of their need that they cannot see. And so we have that as Jesus and his disciples went out of Jericho, a great crowd was following him. And behold, there were two blind men sitting by the roadside. And when they heard that Jesus was passing by, they cried out, Lord, have mercy on us, son of David. So here Jesus has, I've said this before, Jesus has been teaching in the northern part of Israel. He's on his way to Jerusalem, right? They're on their way. It it is common for people to be making a pilgrimage uh, to Jerusalem. And so Jesus and his disciples were among the great crowds who were on their way to Jerusalem to celebrate the Passover. And as they were on their way, they get to Jericho, which means they're getting pretty close, right? We're we're within uh, about 15 miles, of Jerusalem at this point. They're getting pretty close. Uh, We're talking about maybe a really long day's walk or maybe two more days of walking and they're going to be in Jerusalem. And they're coming out of Jericho and and, uh, there's these these people who are uh, there at the gates of Jericho probably. And the crowd is is, uh, crowding around Jesus. There's all kinds of noise and commotion. And these two men who are blind are there and they hear the commotion. And behold, the two blind men sitting by the roadside, when they heard that Jesus was passing by, cried out. Now, can you just imagine for a moment that uh, you woke up this morning and it was completely dark. And you had to get up out of your bed and uh, make your way like into the bathroom to get ready for the day and in complete darkness, right? That, some of you are going, yeah, that happens to me. I get up early enough that it is complete darkness. And so maybe you could get that far, right? Maybe you could get the first few minutes of the day through that part without stubbing your toes, without running into anything, because uh, you know where you put stuff in your room, and you could navigate that in complete darkness, and you would be okay. But things would quickly get to become more difficult. The further you went on through your day, as you're navigating, getting ready for in the day in the in your bathroom, and then you go out to the kitchen and need to prepare food. And so you go, okay, wait, I, it's hard, I can't see, so I'm probably not going to fry any eggs this morning, but uh, maybe I will uh, take some milk out of the, the fridge and I'll just pour myself a bowl of cereal. 
And I think about just pouring myself a bowl of cereal without being able to see. And the difficulty of that. And then you are making your way right through the whole day. You, you arrive here probably because somebody brought you here because you wouldn't be able to bring yourself, and so somebody brought you here, and then you'd be navigating this and figuring out how to get in here and not run into people and finding a place to sit, right? That all of these things would be very difficult. I, I had a, a dream one time uh, that uh, I, I was driving. I was on the freeway. Teresa was, was sitting next to me, and we were driving in the car, and I, you know those days where you're just so tired, you can't keep your eyes open? Well, in my dream, I was driving, and I was having one, one of those days where my eyes were just closing like this, and I can remember in my dream, my eyes closing, and I couldn't open them again. They were so tired. And I went, I can't see, I can't see. And Teresa said, the road is straight, just keep going straight. And that was not comforting to me. Because even in my dream, when I lose sight for even just a moment, it caused me to freak out. Now these guys have been blind for I don't know how long. For a while. Were they born blind? Possibly. Did they have their sight and then in their youth lose it? Did they have their sight for years or decades and then lose it? I don't know, but here they are, now blind, sitting outside Jericho, likely begging, asking for help, and hearing that Jesus is going by and going, I have heard about Jesus. I have heard about Jesus. I have heard of the teachings of Jesus. I have heard of the miracles of Jesus. And there is hope that Jesus could help us with our greatest need. And so they cry out, Lord, have mercy on us, son of David. Lord, have mercy on us, son of David. These, these blind men recognized who Jesus was. They heard about him. They, I don't know what all they knew, but they knew enough to cry out to him. And they went, this, this is the son of David. This is the Messiah that we have been expecting. The Christ, the anointed one of God that we have been expecting and waiting for. This is God's salvation to his people. Lord, have mercy on us, son of David. Now, it's interesting, if you uh, go back through the scriptures and you come to Psalm 123, there is a psalm, it's a, a psalm of ascents, which means that it was a psalm that would be sung as people were on their way to Jerusalem. As people were making their way into Jerusalem, they would sing this song, among others. But one of the songs they would sing is this, Psalm 123, and I'm going to read the whole thing to you because it's only a four-verse song. To you I lift up my eyes, O you who are enthroned in the heavens. Behold, as the eyes of servants look to the hand of their master, as the eyes of a maidservant to the hand of her mistress, so our eyes look to the Lord our God till he has mercy upon us. Have mercy upon us, O Lord. Have mercy upon us, for we have had more than enough of contempt. 
Our soul has had more than enough of the scorn of those who are at ease of the contempt of the proud. This song that would have been regularly sung as people are on their way to Jerusalem then comes to mind here as these two blind men are crying out, Lord, have mercy on us, son of David. Jesus, you're on your way to Jerusalem. Have mercy on us. Have mercy on us. We want to see the mercy of the Lord. Right? As you read through this psalm, it, it talks about how we lift up our eyes. We look to the heavens, to where our help will come from, where the mercies of God will come from. Like the eyes of those whose servants are, are looking at their masters or, or uh, maidservants are looking at their mistresses and they're watching them. They're watching them for what they need. So our eyes are on the Lord. So our eyes look to the Lord our God until He has mercy upon us. And I just picture these guys, whether they had this psalm in their mind or not, just crying out, Lord, have mercy on us. We want to see the mercy of the Lord. We want to see the mercy of the Lord. We can't see anything right now. But would you show us the mercy of the Lord by opening our eyes? We are waiting Waiting for you to show us your mercy. Because we have had more than enough of the contempt and the scorn of those who are around us. They are not the only ones who wanted to see the glory of God, right? I mean, even back in Exodus when Moses was talking with the Lord and was saying, Lord, would you show me your glory? Would you show me your glory? This is what happened. He asked for, for God to show him his glory, and in Exodus 34, verse 6, it said, And the Lord passed before him and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, but, but who will by no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children and on the children's children to the third and fourth generation. So here the Lord comes and he proclaims, this is who I am. And the very first thing he says is, I am the Lord, a God who is merciful and gracious. That's the first thing he says. Merciful and gracious. And these blind men are crying out because they want to see the same thing that Moses saw. They want to hear the same thing that Moses heard. That God is merciful. That God is merciful. Well, as they are crying out, the crowds rebuke them, right? Verse 31. The crowds rebuked them, telling them to be silent. Hey, quiet down. Knock it off. Quit yelling. We're trying to see Jesus here. The blind people are going, we want to see Jesus too. Jesus, let us see too. And the crowds are going, shh, shh. Be quiet. Be quiet. 
In Psalm 123, it said, Have mercy upon us, O Lord, have mercy upon us, for we have had more than enough of contempt. Our soul has had more than enough of the scorn of those who are at ease or the contempt of the proud. And I just think of those crowds going, Shh! Shut up! Be quiet! And these blind men who are wanting the mercy of the Lord. But as they rebuked them, Telling them to be silent, they cried out all the more, Lord, have mercy on us, son of David. Do you believe that Jesus is merciful? Like really, truly believe it. Do you, do you know that God is merciful? I think that a lot of times when I think of the characteristics of God, I know in my head God is love, right? Yep, God is love. God loves me. God loves everybody, right? God, God is love. I, I know that. But then when you say, now tell me something about God, I'm going to say, He is omnipotent. He is all-powerful. He is all-knowing. He is all-present. He is just. He is righteous. He is holy. These are the characteristics that I come up with. I'm going to list all of those probably before I get to merciful. And God is all of those things. But he didn't list any of those things before he got to merciful. When he described himself to Moses as he passed by Moses, the first thing he says is, I am God. Merciful. Merciful. But yet, how long have we been waiting for things, right? It doesn't always feel like God is merciful, because there are times when we're suffering, and when I'm suffering, I don't feel like God is being merciful toward me, right? I'm dealing with something, I'm struggling through something, and at those times, I don't feel like, wow, this is really experiencing the mercy of God here. I feel like I'm experiencing the contempt, or the judgment, maybe, or the struggle of life, the brokenness of this world, and I'm going, God, I would love some mercy, please. But it doesn't come right to mind when thinking of the characteristics of God. Because life is hard. Because I have brokenness in my body, things about my body that don't work the way that I want them to work. And it annoys me. It bothers me. There are relationships that I have with people that are broken and it doesn't work the way that I want it to work and it annoys me. I have characteristics in my own life that I don't like because it doesn't work the way that I think that it should work and it annoys me. And so I recognize that I have a need for the mercy of God but I don't feel like I'm experiencing the mercy of God all the time. And so I cry out, Lord, have mercy on me. 
or you see the family member or the friend that is struggling, and you go, I want to do something about that. I want to fix that. I want to make it better, and there's nothing that I can do. I am powerless to be able to help them. Lord, have mercy on them. And I think about these two men that I don't know how long they have been blind. They may have been blind from birth every day, living in a world that was not designed for them, right? Living in a society that was not set up for their success and struggling through it. Perhaps they had had their sight for some time. Maybe they lost their sight in their youth, or maybe they went on for years and decades and then lost their sight. Which of those would feel most like the mercies of God? They've been struggling for some time. And yet they believe that when the Lord says He is merciful, that is what He is. And so they hear that Jesus is passing by and they cry out, Lord, have mercy on us, son of David. And as people shush them and tell them to knock it off and to be quiet, they cry out all the more, desperate, Lord, have mercy on us. And I know that there are some people here this morning who have been struggling, that even as I'm talking about your most acute needs, there is something in your mind that you're going, I know exactly what my most acute need is. Who have been crying out and continue to cry out, Lord, have mercy on me. And the question is, as Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem, as he's on his way to fulfill his mission, does he have time for them? The crowds don't think so. Shh, shh, be quiet, we're on our way. But Jesus, in verse 32 Stopping, Jesus called to them and said, What do you want me to do for you? What do you want me to do for you? He stopped. He could have passed right by. He could have ignored them. He could have not heard them with all of the things that were going on and all of the crowds and everything happening. He could have just gone right by and left. And their whole experience with Jesus would be, we heard that he went by and we cried out and there was no answer. And it was the same for them as every other day, where they cried out but there was no answer. But on this day, Jesus stops. Now, for those who know what Jesus is doing, right? Matthew has already keyed us in as readers about what Jesus is doing. He is on his way to Jerusalem so that he can die for the sins of the world. 
That's what he's on his way to Jerusalem to do. We know that. There's some urgency for us that Jesus make it all the way to Jerusalem and not get sidetracked by some people that have special needs because there are great needs in Jerusalem, right? That's where he's going to deal with the whole thing. He's going to deal with all the needs when he gets to Jerusalem. But here he stops and he sees them. And it a little bit reminds me of of if you were on your way to uh, go up into Portland and you were going to make a very large donation to Union Gospel Mission to help the homeless in Portland. And you're on your way to do that because you're going to make the kind of donation that was going to solve homelessness in Portland. Okay, that, I realize that'd be a really big number. But let's just say that you were on your way to drop off an enormous donation at Union Gospel Mission that was going to solve the homelessness problem in Portland. And you stopped on the way because there was a homeless person. And you could see their need. And you helped them right then. Now, you know you're going to solve the whole thing, and they're going to be taken care of as a part of that. But would it be totally weird to delay so that you could take care of this person on your way to take care of the whole problem? Not really. That seems in keeping with character. There's plenty of time, and Jesus makes that kind of a stop here. He sees these guys and he sees their needs and he knows that they are feeling a need. That he knows he's going to go to the cross and he's going to meet all the needs there. But he stops and pauses in his mission to address these two guys and ask them, what do you want? What do you want? So now I know that there are times when we are feeling like we need the mercy of God that we're not experiencing in this moment, and we've been waiting and waiting for it. And we're not sure that God has time for us, that He cares specifically about us and our needs at this moment. But Jesus stops and says, what is it that you need? What do you want from me? They said to him, Lord, let our eyes be opened. Lord, let our eyes be opened. Jesus stopped to see them, notice them, pay attention to them. And those who had been pushed to the side and marginalized, Jesus engages with them and brings them in, right? Now, we had a a training, a couple of... uh, weeks ago where we were talking about disability it was a disability training because as our church we are trying to become more sensitive to the needs of those around us and recognize that the way that we do this here and are set up here is not necessarily welcoming to everyone who might want to come and so we're trying to be more sensitive to that but do this kind of thing right what is it that you need That we would stop and recognize, hey, we might not be set up for you here. How can we welcome you in? And Jesus is doing that, right? He's stopping, he's engaging them, he's welcoming them in. To say, what is it? 
How can I allow you to participate? And they said, Lord, what we need is we need to be able to see. We need to be able to see. Would you open our eyes so that we can see? And verse 34. And Jesus, in pity, touched their eyes, and immediately they recovered their sight and followed him. Jesus, in his great compassion, touches them so that they might regain their sight, so that they might be able to see. He is merciful, he is gracious. He is compassionate. He cares to know what your needs are. He cared to know what their needs were. He wants to know. He wants you to cry out. He wants you to recognize that He is the Savior of the world who has come to save you. And some of you have been crying out because you have felt an acute need for a long time. And I want to encourage you that we follow a merciful God. And I want to encourage you to continue to cry out because your God wants you to cry out. And He is merciful. I don't know how long it will be before He responds, right? These guys may have been blind for a very long time before the Lord uh, healed them. But may His grace and strength be sufficient for you in that time of waiting. Jesus, in His compassion, touches their eyes, and immediately they recovered their sight, and they followed Him. What would they have been doing that day had they not cried out? They would have been sitting right there on the edge of Jericho, the same way they had done for days before and would do for days after. But they hear about the coming of Jesus and they want to follow him and they're going, we can't because we can't see. Lord, would you show us your mercy? Would you open our eyes so that we might see you and your mercy? It was the same thing that Moses had asked for, right? Lord, would you show me your glory? In, in Exodus chapter 33, Moses said, please show me your glory. And he said, I will make all my goodness pass before you and will proclaim before you my name, the Lord. And I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious. And I will show mercy on whom I will show mercy. But, he said, you cannot see my face, for man shall not see me and live. And so that which Moses asked for and the Lord said, I won't show you my face. You don't get to see my face. But I am gracious and I am merciful. Now these two blind men are crying out, Lord, we want to see your mercy. And our God, who has come as man in Jesus opens their eyes so that the first thing they see is his face. How glorious and awesome is our God? How gracious and compassionate. 
For these guys who had felt the contempt of the crowds around them, now seeing and experiencing and feeling the mercy of God and the compassion of Jesus as he touches them and their sight is restored and they see the mercy of God in Jesus. And they follow him. And they follow him. You and I also believe, right? We also believe that Jesus has come already to show us his mercy and his grace. We also believe that he will come again and will someday restore all things. But in this in-between, we are waiting for things to be restored, right? And we are seeing in part the things that God is doing and restoring and making right, and we are waiting for the things that have not yet been done. And we don't know, are those things going to happen today, perhaps? Are they going to happen tomorrow or sometime in the next year or next decade? Maybe. Or maybe we will have to wait until Jesus comes again before we see the restoration that we are looking for, the healing and the wholeness that we are looking for. But it, as it says in 1 Peter chapter 1, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to His great mercy, He has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled and unfading, kept in heaven for you. You who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. And so we find ourselves waiting for that, praying for that, hoping for that, and expecting that Jesus is going to do that in us, right? And so my encouragement to you is in those things when you are feeling that pain and you are feeling that need, cry out, Lord, have mercy on me. Let's pray. Father, you are good and gracious. And we know that you have made all things to be good. Yet we see that because of sin, there is brokenness in us and around us. And as we experience that brokenness, Lord, we ask for your mercy and your grace. Would you help us to believe that you are merciful, that you are gracious and compassionate? That when you see our needs, you desire to meet them. Lord, help us to be patient as we wait for you to do that. And would you help us to share the hope that we have in you with others. And we ask for these things in your name. Amen.